This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, they may have a new coach, but it seems like the Sens are still the same old team for the time being. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everybody. A almost midnight edition here tonight, as I am so glad to be up late talking about this game. It's a good thing that my sleep schedule is already very questionable as a freelancer, because if I was still working morning shifts... Uh, I I would be even less enthusiastic to be here. But hey, a little bit of enthusiasm in the fan base in the last couple days uh, with the coaching change. But it seems like we we can't have nice things too easily. We can't just have things turn on a dime like they have for for certain other teams who have also changed their coaches. The the new coach bump has not exactly taken effect yet in Ottawa. We'll put it that way. Um, four to three loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Kind of a heartbreaker, although you could kind of see it coming, which is why I only say kind of a heartbreaker, just the way that this team played in the second half of the game. It felt like they really came to play at the beginning for the first 30 or so minutes. I, I was quite impressed, despite a few little worries here and there. Those worries didn't really go away. In fact, they just persisted for the rest of the game. And as we all see from the final result, they were they were justified worries. Um, the Sens chased Connor Ingram three goals on five shots, I believe it was. My fantasy team is not happy about that. Um, after that, though, they barely tested Carol Vimelka in the Coyotes' net. I feel like I can't remember any notable saves that he made. What did our shot total even end up being? Yeah, 22. Just just not enough not enough offense here tonight after that three-goal lead. And just just sitting back. I don't know. I guess maybe that's Jacques Martin hockey is, is to just try to defend after after getting your goals. Uh, but although I, I would have to think that that is not exactly uh <laughs> this game didn't exactly play out uh the way that he he wanted them to play, you know? So even though DJ Smith is gone, it still kind of feels like we're still watching DJ Smith hockey. Obviously, Jacques was quoted as saying uh, that he's not going to drastically change the systems yet, which makes sense because um, he didn't even, I don't think he even had a full practice with the team. I think it was an optional skate for players this morning and yesterday. It was still DJ leading practice uh, right before he got fired, which was a very weird decision. So, there's only so much that Jacques can do. The first game, it's probably more of just him uh, evaluating players and evaluating how the team plays up close because obviously he's only been here for a couple of weeks and he hasn't been on the bench yet. So lots for him to <laughs> to improve upon, uh, judging from, from how this game played out. I will... Uh, I'll try to get 
positives out of the way first, since the game started off positively, at least. Um, although, despite the overall good first period, especially, I mean, three goals to zero, obviously that's good. I did find that the Coyotes were entering the zone really easily, especially in that first five minutes or so. Uh, and especially before before the first goal of the game, that was that was worrying me early on. Funny enough, later in the second period, the first half of the second period, pretty much, I felt like the Sens were doing a better job at preventing zone entries and uh, not letting Arizona enter the zone with speed. So maybe that was something that <laughs> the coaching staff coaching staff tried to address. However. Obviously, that didn't continue for the whole game, unfortunately, but that was something that I noticed early on, uh, something that this team needs to work on in general, and even though there were parts of this game where it was better, something that they gotta improve overall. Obvious standout today is Angus Crookshank. Uh, what, what can we say about him? Just awesome debut against Vegas. I really liked how he played in that game. He easily could have scored in that one, had some nice chances, and then he gets rewarded here tonight awesome deflection everyone just loves this kid i'm we're all super happy for him it was cool to see his his family in the stands uh especially for his second game right because they were there in vegas and then they're able to travel down to arizona too to see him play again and they get to see uh a moment that he will remember for the rest of his life and his family too since they were there in person to see it it was awesome it was awesome seeing his brother's reactions too when uh when Crookshank got into a bit of a scrum with Zucker, his, the the contrast between his brother's reaction and his mom's reaction was was just hilarious. Uh, I think his mom wants him to stay out of the box. doesn't doesn't like to see him get involved in that kind of rough stuff. But Angus Crookshank probably my MVP for the Sens today. I, there was some other players that I was happy with, but but you got to give it to the kid uh, with his first NHL goal. And I'm curious to see what his ice time ended up being. 11 minutes, 45 seconds. I am glad that they are two different coaches now giving this kid the ice time that he deserves. Just legitimate third line ice time so far and not just uh, the like five minutes, four minutes that sometimes you see rookies get in their first couple games. I'm glad that they're giving him an opportunity to, to shine. And he seems to have the ability to keep things simple. So... I think I think Martin will like that in in Crookshank's game. I am uh, I'm very happy with him with his play and very happy for him getting rewarded for his first NHL goal here today. So that was the standout for the Sens and also Josh Norris ripping a one timer. He's had a couple of those lately. It's looking like he's back. If we can if we can just force feed that one timer on the power play again like we used to. And, and he's shooting like that, it, that might be might be a potential improvement for the power play because obviously it's been struggling lately and I feel like Norris's timing just being kind of off on those one-timers and not necessarily getting, getting the shots off as good as he would like to, as cleanly as he would like to, has been a little bit of a detriment on the power play because obviously uh, the team still wants to set him up for those. So seeing him just snipe it bar down or like top shelf or whatever it was here tonight, that was very awesome too. Uh, Jake Sanderson picking up two assists in the first period as well. I thought he had a much better game compared to his game against Vegas. That was a, a rough one. His last few games have been kind of rough for his standards, but I liked his, uh, his puck carrying and his skating tonight. Gets rewarded with the two assists. Obviously, 
the defensive side of the game, a little sketchy, but it pretty much was for everyone tonight. Uh, and Kubelik, credit to him as well. This is basically this is basically where the positives end, but credit to Kubelik as well for getting on the board. We we really need him to to produce more. Seven goals at this point in the season is like an okay goal total. I think if he had a few more assists to uh, to balance out his lopsided stat line a bit, I would be a lot happier with Kubelik. He he seems like the type of player who can kind of just disappear for long stretches of play. So whenever he does chip in a goal, I'm pretty happy with that. And he, I thought he was pretty engaged physically tonight too, especially since the Coyotes, I felt like were really bringing the physical play. Uh, the hits in total ended up being pretty even, 26 to 25 for the Coyotes, but like Kubelik for me stood out, stood out as someone who was uh, giving it back to them in terms of the physicality, because especially in the second half of the game, it felt like the Coyotes were just kind of running us over with hits and cross-checks too, I should say, but we'll get to that later. Um, Brady Kachuk also had the fight in the first period. I have to say, it was nice to see him fighting in a situation that wasn't uh, a blowout because that's basically all that all that's been happening lately is just him losing his cool at the end of a blowout game. So the fact that he was able to get engaged in that kind of stuff early in the game and get it out of the way was nicer, and then just kind of kind of helping helping the troops get rallied at that point. You know, I think it was one nothing when he fought. So in that moment, the momentum did swing our way after the fight. So. Pretty good fight overall. I'm happy. I don't mind his decision to fight there. Although I do want to mention, uh, Trevor Shackles had this on Twitter. He said that Brady currently leads the league in penalty minutes with 74. Part of that, I think, is his one or two 10-minute misconducts. I think he's had a couple of those. Uh, but also saying that it's on pace for 225 penalty minutes, which would be the most in a single season by any player since Steve Downey in 2015. So. Even though we like that element of Brady's game, you'll probably want him to dial it back a little bit just because uh, <laughs> having the most penalty minutes in a whole season since 2015 is is not the best when you're a, a top-line winger. Obviously, you want that physical element to remain in his game, and that's going to come with some some fighting majors and stuff like that, and maybe occasionally penalties for, for hits that he makes, but... On pace for the most penalty minutes in almost a decade is is pretty rough, and like I said, part of that is probably the the couple of misconducts that I think he's gotten. So, if the team can play better on the ice, maybe his penalty minutes won't be piling up as much. Part of it is just that we're losing a lot, and he gets angry. Even though that wasn't the case tonight, that that does factor in with the penalty minute total. So. I hope that he can he can stay out of the box a little bit more because even though uh, the fight today was nice, it's we you don't want a, a giant penalty minute total like that for for your captain and uh, top line left winger. We need him on the ice a little bit more uh, than what we have been. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Overall, in that first period, you can't complain too much because of the score. But again, I felt like Coyotes were gaining the zone too easily. And a lot of the Sens' defense felt very scrambly, which is par for the course under DJ Smith's systems, which Martin has not really changed yet. Although I'm sure he will be... He, uh, he had his notepad during the game. I'm sure he was drafting up his notes to uh, to tweak a few things for sure. Um, I felt like a lot of the defensive plays in that first period was just like desperation shot blocks, and getting a stick in the lane, either in the passing lane or shooting lane at like the last second, and getting kind of lucky. So even though we were up 3-0 at that point, I was worried. I was like, okay, the defense has to step up here. The overall defensive play from the five-man unit has to be better to defend this lead. And it wasn't. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't. The first half of the second period was pretty good. Uh, Jacob Churkin stepping in to stop a breakaway was a, a brilliant play early in that period. So unfortunate that we couldn't get the win for, for Chicken in his return to Arizona, but I hope that he had a good time returning to his former home and, and visiting visiting his former teammates and that. I'm I am I am sad that we couldn't at least beat Arizona in his return though, because it would have been a nice moment for him. It sucks and it's sort of a situation where I don't know if he if it was ever really confirmed that he requested a trade out of Arizona, but for a while there, it for like a year, it seemed like he kind of wanted to move on and the team kind of just wanted to move him for like a high price. They were trying to get a lot back in a trade. So the fact that he's moved on and it's not necessarily for greener pastures as the Coyotes are obviously a better team than us this season uh, is pretty sad. But, but I'll get into... A little bit more on Chikrin later. Um, back to the second period. The Yotes only having one shot over a 13-minute span. I don't think they got their second shot of the second period until over 10 minutes in. So at that point in the game, we were doing a lot better of stopping uh, their zone entries and limiting their speed through the neutral zone. But it was really only for like a 10-minute span because then it all fell apart after that. Um... Last eight minutes of that period was just ugly, ugly hockey, and it continued into the third, too. Uh, like, Corpusello had an amazing save in the dying seconds of the second period to keep it a 3-1 game, and it seemed like at that point that he was just on one tonight and he was going to steal a game for us, but it seems like we just can't get a goalie to steal a game for us. It, like, you need it to happen occasionally throughout a season. Any team that's going to make the playoffs is not going to be amazing for all of their 40-plus wins. They're, you need your goalie to be able to just bail you out every now and then. And it seems like Corpus Salo and also Forsberg just don't really have that X factor to be able to just absolutely shut the door on a team. Because even though... Corpy made a lot of great saves today, and it's not his fault whatsoever. Hell, he kept us in the lead for, like, 70% of this game until the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, he was the only reason that we were still winning. Like, the Coyotes could have tied it much sooner than they did. Um, so, it's I don't want to rag on Corpusello too much, but at a certain point, you, you, need, you need a few saves to to keep the GAA below four, right? To... Because he had, he had a goal support today. He had a three-goal lead. Even though the team didn't play well in front of him for the second half of the game, it was just really deflating seeing that Clayton Keller shot go in. As soon as that shot went in to tie the game in the third period, I, 
I was checked out at that point and not expecting anything else from this team at that point because the main thing with this team I find is that they are very mentally weak. They are very inexperienced and they're very fragile. Whenever something doesn't go their way, they totally crumble. And we see it here again today. Um, it's, yeah, what, 30, 31 seconds or 33 seconds, I think, between those two goals in the third period. It seems like every game now, there's two goals within a minute span. It's just a, a horrendous trend this season that it, it's, it seems like totally a mentality thing where it's it, the players are in their heads about it. As soon as something doesn't go their way, it's just they're done, right? Like uh, on the second goal, obviously should have been a, a boarding call on the hit against Tarasenko. And then of course they score like 10 seconds later. That was extremely frustrating. I, that was one of the first times this season where I've been like legitimately mad when we've gotten scored on uh, because lately I'm just numb to it. It's been so predictable and happening so often, but that time I was legitimately angry just because it was a blatant missed call. And I'm sure that the team was also frustrated and they got in their heads about it. They were already not playing great at that time. And they just let it snowball. Keller Keller comes right back and, and gets an ugly one. You need Corbisau to save shots like that, but also, like I said, he was also keeping us in the game before that. So I can't pin it all on him. It feels like after after something doesn't go your way like that, with the missed call leading to the goal, you need to be able to have a pushback. You need to have some resilience. And this team just never has that. And then of course, unlucky goal going in off of Hamannick near the end of the game because, of course, this team does not do overtime. The we I think we've made it to overtime twice and we won because it is apparently illegal for the Sens to get any overtime losses. It's just straight up not allowed. So, it, ah, I'm like, I'm just mad thinking about how that goal went in off of Hamannick. It was just, it, like, it was a calamity in the defensive zone, but it just sucks that it was um, that it was going wide and deflected off of him, and because he he easily could have prevented it. I don't want to I don't want to put too much blame on Hamannick, but I feel like he could have uh, probably stopped the puck with his stick instead of just kind of kicking it off his boot. It, it was just so frustrating. And then as soon as that went in, you knew that it was over because again, this team never gets to overtime. This team never ties the game with the goalie pulled. So. I, did we even have a shot? I think we had like one or two shots with the goalie pulled and that was it. And before the goalie pull, I think they showed the shots on goal in the third were like 12 to 3 at that point, which is just inexcusable. I know that we're trying to defend a lead, so you're not going to go all out on offense, but it was like literally zero offense in the second half of the game. It, it It's just so many repeated narratives from all of the DJ Smith hockey this year. So... Uh, Jacques Matin is going to have a lot to work on. I, I can't believe I can't believe that we didn't even freaking get to overtime. Like after the three-three, man, I was I was ready to come on here and be like, hey, I'm actually happy about an overtime loss because our standards are so low this season. Uh, but no, can't even have that. Can't have anything nice. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, a lot of work for this team to try to dig themselves out of a hole. I think. The season is pretty much pretty much done already. I think I was saying that last last game. It's definitely done after this one. It's probably going to be an 0-5 road trip because you're not beating Colorado. Uh, especially they lost to Chicago today, which is quite alarming. 
But similar to how Vegas lost to Buffalo and then whooped us in the next game, these good teams are able to bounce back from tough losses. And so I'm not expecting much from the Sens against Colorado. I'll say that. Um, tough, tough result once again. Uh, blowing a lead on this road trip, similar to the Dallas game. It's, it is just, just depressing in Sens land. Even though there were some positives and we had a little bit of hope uh, in terms of coaching staff being able to improve maybe certain elements about this team's game, but nothing yet. They Obviously, it wasn't going to be an overnight difference, but I was hoping that the team would at least get a little bit of a kick in the pants from their beloved coach um, getting the boot. They, they, they came up with a good effort in the first period overall, but it was still the same sloppy hockey that we've been used to seeing uh, they just happened to get the bounces in the first period, and then the bounces went the other way um, for Arizona after that. And I know we don't like the cliche about bounces, but that was the only reason that like we were leading in the first in the first place was a, a few nice bounces. Other than that, we didn't deserve anything tonight. So it was just depressing, depressing stuff. Um, I'm gonna take a look at the chat here, see what y'all are thinking. Delta go saying, don't know if I'm going to stay up for this, just want to say Martin is a no-nonsense coach who preaches defensive play above everything else. He doesn't cater to future superstars as one of the reasons why he got fired the first time around was because he wouldn't play uh, 20-year-old Jason Spezza in the playoffs. Stutzla needs to clean up his play or his ice time is going to suffer. Yeah, I don't think that Stutzla is exactly the type of player that you would expect to immediately thrive under Jacques Martin, I think that it might be a little bit of a struggle for him. I felt like he did clean up his game a little bit tonight. I, I would have to check the stats to see if he had any turnovers that I didn't notice, but I felt like he was pretty good with the puck, uh, although he didn't create too much offensively outside of the power play goal, but really no one on the team did, so it wasn't just him. But yeah, he's probably the type of player that is going to be receiving a lot of coaching. I think there was clips of both both Martin and Alfredson giving him pointers in the middle of the game. It's going to be a lot of that coming up with all of our young players of just advice being given because it, it for the first 25 games, it was basically just DJ just being like, well, oh shucks, we got scored on again. Oh blah, shows no emotion on the bench. But these these coaches are here to try to improve things and fix things. So they're going to be nitpicking they're going to be um, giving as much advice as possible and like micromanaging everything, which is which is what needs to be done at this point. Because even though these young stars all have a lot of talent and some of them are putting up points, it's it's the overall game that is lacking. So that's definitely going to be the case with Stutzla, I think. Uh, newbie saying our first line, Batherson, Timmy, and Brady needs to get their act together. 100% correct as well. Like like I was saying about Timmy. Didn't notice Batherson at all tonight. Uh, and Brady, again, not generating anything. He had the physical element in his game tonight, of course, but uh, I'll have to check if he got any shots because he's the king of getting a bunch of shots when I didn't even really notice. Like, I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember two scoring chances from Brady and then I look and he had eight shots. So yeah, he had four shots today, which is kind of an average night for him uh, <laughs> considering some of the stat lines he usually puts up. So yeah, not not super impressed with Brady lately. Lately, at least Batherson has had a good stretch of play over the last fifteen or so games. Um, 
Newbie also said, I don't think our second period was terrible. The goal was bad, but we held them to one shot for over half of it. Yeah, it's it was weird because the second period being a major talking point this season, the first half of it was really good, like you said, but it, I felt like it just fell off a cliff in that second half. And then you could see that uh, we were just going to play like that for the rest of the game because we know that, the, that this team has no resiliency and no bounce back ability. So as soon as I saw us uh, starting to slip at the end of the second period and they got one goal, I was like not very confident at that point. Um, and Deltago also saying uh, Hamannick buyout in the offseason. <laughs> oh, God. 366,000 little bit more than that um and white recapture yes the the cap credit for white's buyout for one year um so you'd think he will be gone already next year I, that's probably a good bet considering the gm that signed that contract is no longer around um i get that everyone likes hamannick in the locker room and by all accounts he's a great guy but the fact that he received a two-year deal was shocking i'll put it that way that's a good point that we we can buy him out and still actually have um, technically a, a gain in cap space from doing that just because of the if you include the 600k or so from from the white buyout. That's so weird how that happens. So not that I'm wishing for someone to uh, be removed from the team or lose their job, but that is I do think that is a possibility for sure, for sure. Um, David saying, I'm sure Martin wasn't the least bit pleased with how the sense had blown through one lead after 40 minutes and a 4-3 regulation loss. Just ah, the regulation loss being the main killer here that, that has me so pissed off. Couldn't, couldn't even get to overtime once again. That's, that's just how it is with this team. Just stacking up the regulation losses. I feel like we're, we're going to be like near the worst in the league at that point let's see. yeah like buffalo has 17 in our division so we're not quite as bad as them they got torched today which was which was sad but the the most regulation losses in the league is chicago with 20 and we're at 16 now so if we don't pick it up soon it's it's going to be looking real ugly we don't even don't even have those loser points to to mask our record and make us look a little bit better it's very sad um Matthew saying, yeah, this game was definitely icing on the cake for this season. You're 100% correct. We are cooked. This team is absolutely cooked, and the rest of this season is just going to be hoping uh, that they can improve their play and, and get some good habits instilled in, into them because we all obviously think that there was a lot of bad habits from DJ Smith hockey that seem to be lingering. I'll put it that way. Uh, Newbie also saying, I can't say I feel motivated to watch this team play anymore. I think that's going to be a big issue for the rest of the season too. Um, ticket sales is going to be rough. I'm I'm not excited to see the attendance numbers in the new year. I think the last couple games of December, probably a lot of people have already bought tickets for, but the second half of the season, it's probably going to be looking pretty rough unless we, unless we somehow go on a ridiculous run, but um, probably not going to happen with, with this team. It's, it would take a miracle and even though I do think new coaches will be able to turn this around eventually, it's going to take long enough that we don't have a shot at playoffs this year. So very sad, very sad. Um, and Rain in the chat saying, if Jacques Martin is, isn't the long-term coaching solution, who would be a better fit as head coach? I definitely feel like they have him just 
purely as an interim, I don't think. Like, unless, like I said, unless there's a miracle run, I don't think he's going to be getting a contract extension for next year. I think it was just sort of like, hey, Jacques, can you can you help us out for, for a few months because because our season is cooked, and but you can at least, like, help teach these young players a little bit. I don't think that he's intending to stay around for too long and i don't think that the management is intending to keep him for too long either just to just to ride out the rest of this season because it would have just felt cruel to dj if he had to continue coaching for the whole season with how upset the fan base has been so far and deservedly so with how this team has played um in terms of who would be a good fit to replace him uh, it's it's tough i i feel like i've convinced myself that pretty much all the other coaches that have been fired would be able to do something with this team in terms of like Woodcroft, Everson, and um, what's his name, Barubi, with with the Stanley Cup ring, obviously. <laughs> if like Barube has experience from taking a team from last place to the Stanley Cup, uh, obviously we're not going to be bringing him in mid-season, but that would have been funny if we did to, to try to see if he could do it again. Um, I'd be happy with any of them. I just I just want a coach that actually has NHL experience at this point. There have been some rumors of former uh former or coaches that have formerly worked with uh Steve Steos and Michael Antlauer in the past in the CHL. I think uh the, I think the Leafs current AHL coach was one of the rumored options as well, and those don't excite me at all because we just frequently hire rookie coaches in this organization, and I feel like finally we need something different where the coach isn't trying to do it at this level for the first time. I want someone who has at least had winning NHL seasons before. So I think that's the biggest biggest thing for me uh, is just some experience. This is a very young and inexperienced team, so I don't want a young inexperienced at the NHL level coach even if it's a coach who has been very successful at the CHL or AHL level if they don't have winning seasons on their track record in the NHL I'm not not terribly interested so that's how I feel about that um <laughs> Luke a Habs fan in the chat saying Corpus Allo is not a number one goaltender uh dear Santa I would like to have real goalies and some good defensemen that are not scoring in goal, it was nice all those years, Jacques Martin. Uh, yeah, Corpusello, it might end up being a little bit of a rough contract. I like him a lot, but again, on this type of a team, he's not the guy who's going to steal you games. I think this is what I predicted. I think in the very first show this season, I was saying he's the type of goalie that can get you some wins when you have a good defensive system, like when he was playing uh, for Tortorella in Columbus and when he got traded to the Kings at the deadline last year. He's the type of goalie that can win you those games in a good system and a good situation that benefits him. But on a team like this, nope. And on... The Blue Jackets, in years where they struggled, you saw it too, where his save percentage was way down in the years where the team didn't play so good. Um, so, he he's not a number one goaltender, really, and he's getting paid number one money. I feel like it usually isn't his fault when we lose, which is good enough for me in the current situation to not be mad at him uh, or be frustrated with his play, but it's not the type of contract that's looking great for the future i'll put it that way um last thing before i go since this was jacob trickern's return to arizona i wanted to kind of do a little bit of a, a look at how the trade has played out so far since 
think it's been like what nine eight or nine months since we acquired him at this point back in march uh so it like i was saying earlier it, it's it sucks that he finally gets out of arizona when it, there was that huge trade saga regardless of how much he really wanted to leave the city or the team it just seemed like it was inevitable that he was going to be traded so the fact that he finally gets traded and he gets to go home which is awesome but then we end up being a f worse team than arizona immediately like straight away the next season that has me kind of down in the dumps about this trade but i'll say that's really the only negative that i have about it is that i kind of feel bad for him that that arizona is finally starting to play well after he's off their team because he was one of their best players but they've managed to replace him pretty well with uh guys like moser and valimaki who kind of both just came out of nowhere especially valimaki being kind of a kind of a reject from calgary uh, but he's able to make make a difference for this team in that left defense position. But regardless, acquiring Chikrin, one of Dorian's better moves, I will still say. I know there's been discussion about his defensive play overall. Obviously, Charlie has been talking about that this season, about how he's not super impressed with Chikrin's defensive ability. I do agree that he has lapses sometimes. But I did some digging into his defensive stats on Money Puck. And, and I will agree that there are moments where I'm not pleased with his defensive ability, but in terms of the pure stats, uh, Chikrin is still doing quite well, especially for the standards of this team. Uh, the stats that I noticed, first of all, all of these uh, stats are, when I say where he ranks on the team, they don't include Shabbat, because Shabbat's metrics are pretty good for having only played like five games, and the games that we have had Shabbat in... Uh, have been mostly good games. So not counting him, Chikrin's expected goals is 3.7, which is best on the team. Corsi, 55%, best on the team. On-ice goals percentage, 55%, best on the team. On-ice expected goals against per 60, 2.25, best on the team. Seen, sensing a pattern here, on-ice expected shot attempts against per 60, which is a little similar to Corsi, but regardless, still the best on the team. And best for high-danger shot attempts against as well, only 1.99, uh, which I believe was a was a per-60 stat. I can't, can't remember exactly, but those are all very important defensive metrics to me, and he ranks best on the team in all of them. And <laughs> if you want to go away from the advanced stats and more of like a hard uh, numbers stat, on-ice goal differential literal like goals for goals against while he's on the ice best on the team in terms of defenseman plus eight everyone else is a minus literally no one else is a plus except for uh shabbat in like five games being like a plus two or something uh the net like the next closest to chicken's plus eight was like sanderson i think with like a minus four or something like that so all these defensive metrics best on the team amongst the defensemen the only one that wasn't really the best was giveaways. He has 27, which is the most on the team. And obviously, you want less for giveaways. So that's the one that he doesn't shine in. But he's the type of guy who is going to have his uh, the puck on his stick a lot and is going to be relied on to move the puck and make plays offensively. So typically, offensive defensemen will have higher giveaways than most. Like, like a guy like Zub... He only has, I think it was like eight giveaways in the whole season so far, which is amazing. Uh, that's why we love Zub, but that's more that 
defensive defenseman type of stat, whereas the offensive defensemen are always going to have more giveaways. So you'd like to see him limit those a little bit more, but it's understandable to some degree. So this is the thing, like sometimes the eye test doesn't always favor Jacob Chikrin, and there's moments where he has these defensive lapses, but it's it's just he he is still totally ranking the best in our team in terms of all these defensive metrics and all of these stats were pretty much in line with his career averages or near the best of his career averages in terms of his previous seasons with Arizona because I was honestly curious before I looked up these stats if he was going to have a dip in his defensive metrics uh, when when going to a DJ Smith coached team but he actually didn't and maybe part of that is because Arizona also wasn't good for the majority of his time there so obviously he isn't going to have like amazing defensive metrics over there either but he didn't have a dip when coming to Ottawa which I think is pretty good because there's been a lot of guys in the past who have been pretty solid veterans and maybe maybe when they come to Ottawa they get played too much ice time get relied on too much by the coach and then their metrics just become complete garbage uh falling off a cliff I feel like that's been a pattern although I I didn't really pick out any examples so it's nice that that didn't happen with Jacob Chikrin hopefully his stats can improve even more under Jacques Martin hopefully we can we can get some of those giveaways kind of coached out of his game a little bit and uh, also, I feel like a lot of his bad moments on defense have had to do with like miscommunication with like the wingers or the center on, in terms of coverage on the defensive zone. So that's another thing that could get cleaned up in terms of uh, in terms of coaching, and in terms of the offensive side of things too. It's kind of funny. I've been tracking point paces for some of our top players this year and projecting them based off of uh, or like to compare to last year's stats. And literally just a week ago, Chikrin was on almost the exact same point pace that he had last season. He didn't play the full season last year, but it was a 56-point pace that he had. And about a week ago, he was like exactly dead on for about the same season in terms of points production. But then he, I think it was he assisted on five straight goals uh, between, I think, the, the St. Louis and Dallas game. Maybe, maybe it was into the Vegas game too, but regardless... Everyone knows that that happened. Um, and then that shot his points pace way up. So all of a sudden, he's on a 69-point pace, which is very nice. And if he can actually reach those uh, point totals, that's the type of production from a defenseman uh, where you don't mind a little bit of a defensive deficiency, even though, like I said, he, he still ranks very highly on our team for our standards because our standards are not very good. Still ranks pretty highly in terms of the defensive metrics. So... Overall, in terms of Jacob Chikrin's play, I'm very happy with him so far. It's not perfect, but I feel like for the price that we paid to Arizona, he's been more than worth it, especially with Shabbat being constantly injured this season. If we didn't have Chikrin, we would just be totally screwed. Like, I do think Branstrom can handle a little bit more ice time from time to time, but I think if we were consistently playing him on the second pairing and then just having, like, maybe, maybe we would have brought someone else in if we didn't have Chikrin, but... Uh, the, the rest of the depth after Branstrom on lefty is not too great. So I'm still very glad to have Chikrin on the team. And in terms of what we gave up, very glad that it was only draft picks. Um, the, the 12th overall pick 
I'm probably going to butcher his name here, but Daniel Butt. It's either Butt or Boo. I feel like I should say Boo because B-U-T is Boo for goal in French, but this guy is Russian, so I don't know. Maybe his name is just pronounced Butt, B-U-T. But anyway, this guy, drafted by Arizona 12th overall with our pick, I I read a tweet that was a quote from the Coyotes GM saying that he is now six foot nine, which if true is just absolutely ridiculous. This guy might be com- coming into the NHL and taller than Tage Thompson. He's like as a forward too. That's very rare. Like on defense, you see some huge guys, but forwards that big is really rare. So this guy's an intriguing prospect, and it's looking like Arizona got a good one here, at least in terms of like the current value of the player because obviously we don't know if he'll pan out at the NHL level but he's made really good strides in the KHL this year um 15 games played last year uh with Locomotive he had two goals so quiet start in the KHL but when you are a young player there you're not likely to get much ice time they're very harsh with rookies ice time in the KHL even more than in the NHL so then this season though Played 30 games already, and he's got 8 goals, 7 assists, 15 points, which for an 18-year-old in the KHL is pretty damn good. Like, it's no um, Matt Vimichkov production, but that's that's looking like pretty solid stats for an 18-year-old in Russia to me. So I feel like this guy is going to be an intriguing prospect to, to watch. I feel like uh, Arizona got pretty good value in this trade by using the pick to draft him. I didn't, I didn't check who was still on the board at that time. It's possible that some people might say, you know what, I guess I can just look at the draft real quick. Some people might say that other people drafted after him. Like maybe Zachary, Zachary Benson was the next pick after him. And he's having a pretty good rookie season so far. So it is possible that Arizona didn't necessarily take the best player available, but we don't know. It's way too early to judge. As of now, it seems like they got a pretty sweet prospect. So they're probably pretty happy with their side of the trade as well, especially because they still have two second round picks upcoming, I believe it is. I was a little bit confused reading the conditions of the trade, but it seems that the conditional second has been settled and it'll be our our second round pick this year that they get and also 2026, which in hindsight is a little bit tough just because of, uh, of the fact that we're going to be losing a first round pick sometimes in the next three years, so... Losing a second this year is not great. Although, now that I'm looking on Cap Friendly, it says that we still have our second for 2024. So, but it also says, also on their trade details uh, page, it says Arizona receives the 2024 second round pick. So, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm missing something here, but that pick might still be going to, to Arizona. I can't tell, because also on their page... The 2026 pick is definitely like clearly shown as being transferred to Arizona from Ottawa. So I don't know what's up with that 2024 second. Actually, it's uh maybe oh it's the oh it's the Washington pick. It says uh, 2024 Washington second round pick. So so something something with that. It, it might be it might be two seconds. It might not be. I've actually just totally confused myself while reading this. But anyway, losing the 2026 second for sure sucks because that might be the year that we end up also giving up a first and then suddenly you have no picks in the first two rounds in three years because we are not as good as we thought we were going to be so obviously you have to punt that first that you have to give up as far as you can in the future which is 2026 so that's probably the one painful part of the trade for me 
in hindsight, but obviously that's not something that we could have predicted at the time of the trade being made. So overall, I'm still quite happy with the Jacob Chikrin trade, and I thought it was interesting to uh, just look at where it's at so far. It'll be interesting to track as well to see who Arizona also drafts in the future too. And uh, I'm getting word from the chat from Delta Go and Rain that we, we had a Washington's pick, um, and that was moved out already, so... I guess that's settled. We're not losing another another second round pick in this trade already for the 2024. We still have that, so that's good. That's pretty good. I'm for for how Jacob Chikrin has played. I felt like we p- paid a pretty good price, uh, not having to give up any of our current prospects or roster players. I remember at the time thinking that Ridley Gregg would probably have to be included in the trade as our top prospect at the moment. Uh, thank God that didn't happen because we've really needed him for depth this season. And we really, we really missed him while he was out of the lineup with injury. So, overall, despite how Pierre Dorian's tenure finished, uh, I think this was one of his better moves. And even though the Coyotes got the got the last laugh on Jacob Chikrin tonight, um, hopefully there's better days ahead for Chikrin and the Sens. Um, before I go, also got to shout out Louis in the chat from the Zoobcast <laughs> saying. He's finally made it. Your boy Angus has finally made it with that first NHL goal. So happy for him and his family, like I said earlier, but also happy for Louis because he is Angus's number one fan. So it, it was awesome to see just everyone on Twitter absolutely losing their minds, not only for Angus's goal, but also just like everyone adding Louis and, and tagging him. And just uh, everyone was thinking of him immediately, which, which was a, a nice, wholesome moment. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Very sad here in Sensland. Uh, it's probably going to be an 0-5 road trip. We're now five games below 500. This is not a situation that I thought the team would end up in at any point this season. I would have thought that if we had a rough start, the coach would have been gone sooner and we'd be working on updating the team's systems and stuff much sooner than, than we ended up doing. But hopefully we can get some better play in the future. I just hope that we don't get totally blown out by Colorado. Uh, as long as it's close, because last year in Colorado, we lost 7 nothing. Uh, if, if we can at least lose by only like two, I'll take that and consider it a, a, a moral victory with how this team has been playing lately and their, their previous um, games in, in Colorado. So uh, Charlie will be covering that game with Louie, actually, on as a guest. So... Look forward to that. Hopefully it's not as depressing of a show. Hopefully the Sens can at least make that game entertaining. Um, because boy, we need we need some wins here. Not just in the standings, but we need some we need some happiness. We just need some a little bit of levity, you know, because it's we had the slight celebration when the coaching change was finally made, but it's still it's kind of a what's the word? Not not, not lukewarm, but it's kind of like it feels a little awkward because everyone knows DJ is a great guy and everyone in the organization loved him. So it's, it sucks to see him go as a person, but it just had to happen from a hockey perspective. So it's not, not great times, not great times here in Ottawa. Hopefully we can turn things around pretty soon. Two more games before Christmas break, uh, Christmas only a week away. Wow. Thank you everyone so much for watching and listening. Subscribe to SDPN if you are not already subscribed. Leave a like on the video. Share this episode around if you enjoyed it. Uh, Have a good night.